the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I am so glad to be in the house with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We are one day away from voting, as you know. And I do want to remind you, those of you who are believers in Christ, of what Solomon says in the Proverbs. He says in Proverbs 16, 38, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And then again, he says in Proverbs 18, 18, the lot causeth contentions to cease. It was Solomon's view that when it came to issues like voting back in the Old Testament days, the way they voted was by lots. They cast lots. They broke up sticks in an arbitrary way, as you've seen it before in movies, some sticks longer than others. And whatever they had decided, whether it was the longest stick or the shortest stick would win. What the Bible says is the lots are cast into the lap. That means we all vote. But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. In other words, his decision will prevail, ladies and gentlemen, uh, tomorrow, the next day. And based upon the way things are working out, it probably will take about a week. Um, If we don't get into the quagmire of of litigation and lawsuits and all of that, um, in a few days, we'll know. We'll know. And the lot's designed to cause contentions to cease. Proverbs 18, 18. Now, This principle only applies to honorable men and women who follow the rules, who follow the law. But based upon what we're hearing, people are going to act up anyway. It appears that uh, businesses and institutions are boarding up their windows and uh, blockading their doors and they're expecting uh, rabble-rousers. They're expecting protests. They're expecting vandalism. They're expecting, well... Quite frankly, socialist Marxist behavior, uh, which is part of the protocol when you are trying to affect a revolution. So um, here's what I would say to those of you who are trusting in God. Um, he's going to raise up whom he pleases. This is the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 75 very clearly. The Lord is the one who promotes. He's the one who demotes. He raises up. He sets down. And if you really um, or in uh, submission to the word of God, we can uh, we can rest with that outcome. He will bless us or he will chastise us in our correspondence, in correspondence rather, to our choice. We vote, but God ultimately in his inscrutable actions and ways brings about the resolve and we will get what we will get. Either we will get a King Saul or uh, something uh, less traumatic, less devastating, less problematic. We might get a King David. Who knows? And all of that um, 
will be something that we will be talking about next Monday, Lord willing, a week after the elections. Uh, when we reach our outcome, the outcome, uh, honest, humble people will live with the results. I will. I'm not going to fall apart if Joe Biden wins. I'm not going to fall apart at all. And I'm not going to be overzealous if Trump wins. Uh, ultimately, it's incumbent upon a free people, a responsible people, a focused people, a civilized people to make the best of life. It doesn't really fall into the hands of a of one person, a president or a governor or a senator. It doesn't really, in a nation like ours, built upon the principles that are established in the Constitution, we all play a role in the quality of life that we live here in America. And for you and me, uh, our life really consists of the choices that we make, the uh, the goals that we set, the objectives that we seek to achieve, and really, we don't have to let anyone hinder us on that. I say that with some qualifiers, okay, because the reality is if we have politicians whose policies are adverse to the Constitution, if they are contrary to the rule of law, if they really do basically want to subvert the process of governance set up by our Constitution and our amendments and, the, and, uh, and, and everything that our founding fathers up to the day have implemented for the welfare and benefit of our nation, then yes, we can look up and we can find ourselves having lost our rights, our privileges, our freedom, our blessings, our opportunities, our potential. And we don't necessarily want to kind of go into that blindly. That's the reason why, quite frankly, you have a lot of people who have opposed the left, opposed Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Not so much their person, who cares about their person, but rather their policies. And we've talked about that before. So one of the things I want to do today, and this we'll call this program the day before the election, I want to raise a, a number of questions to you. What are your concerns about going forward? What are your concerns about going forward? What lessons have you learned about the nation or yourself that you need to address after these last 10 months? What lessons have you learned about the nation, our nation, or yourself that you, you need to address uh, going forward? And has the trial uh, of, of COVID-19 and on the, the, the debacle of, of politics and the struggle of paying the bills, has that corrected your vision? Has it modified your vision? Has it changed the way you see things? Or are you still unclear as to what's going on? Because there's a lot going on. So I'm going to kind of put that as the framework, looking forward to hearing uh, from a lot of you, particularly new callers, if you've never called before on the program. Uh, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistead. The number is one 888 And I mean, it. let's have one of those conversations tonight that's not necessarily all over the map, but is intriguing and will draw other listeners into our conversation, if you will. What are your concerns about life going forward what lessons have you learned about our nation and yourself that you need to address uh, post-election, no matter who wins? And has the trial of COVID with all of the challenges we've had economically, socially, um, financially uh, corrected your vision? Have you learned some things that you didn't know or you were 
ignorant of or you didn't pay attention to before. And now you are much more focused, crystal clear on what your priorities are um, going forward. Or are you still unclear as to what's going on? Because there is a lot going on. One of the things I'm going to do after the break is share with you an article by a archbishop, uh, Carlo Maria Vagano. He he wrote an open letter to President Trump. He, he, this is his second letter. Now, Mr. Vagano has been in staunch conflict within the ranks of the Catholic Church for a long time, going to battle against the Pope presently, this liberal Pope that you and I all know, um, has massively controversial ideas and is far more left-leaning and, and quite sadly socialist and Marxist in his convictions and his ideas. And, and it's creating a, a ton of political upheaval and conflict within the Vatican, within the, the Catholic Church, as it should, quite, quite uh, honestly, when you think about what kind of influence uh, Catholicism has on different nations. But you must know that Catholicism uh, has the same kind of political, controversial uh, complexity that any nation state would have because it's its own autonomous nation. It has its own government, its own decrees, its own constitution, its own sovereign rights. And uh, well, it's a mess in a thousand ways. But what I want you to think about when I come back from the break and I read Mr. Uh, the Archbishop's uh, letter to the president, I want you to think about the insight that this man has to at least the struggles that are going on worldwide and uh, his perspective on what's taking place globally, what's taking place geopolitically, what's taking place um, uh, spiritually in terms of uh, the state and religion. And for those of you who've been following me for a long time, you know when you put the state together with religion and they're both working together under the auspices of a fundamental uh, worldview that moves left, then you certainly have the Antichrist system. And we want to be able to talk that through. I want to know what you think about it. You can go online and look up the history of Mr. Uh, Vigano, Archbishop Vigano, and you will find that he's been in the, the fray again uh, with the Pope and with many of the other bishops as well uh, being demoted. And now he's in Serbia. He's serving in Serbia. I just, you know, I guess the Pope just said, look, I had enough of you. And we want to get you out of here, but he's still a big enough voice to say some things to the president of our country and some things that I think are worth at least a conversation. And so that's what we're going to have on the Monday edition of Lifeline, a bit of a conversation after we hear him. Obviously, I am not Catholic, as you know, and therefore I do not advocate a number of the uh, theological uh, convictions or ecclesiological framework or certainly a number of the doctrinal uh, positions that the Catholic Church holds. But Mr. Vigano has a number of uh, important things, I think, worthy of our consideration, and I want you to, I want you to hear them. So it's going to happen after our break. When I come back from the break, I will read what he has to say, and then you and I will just fill up the phone lines and talk for the rest of the time on the Monday edition of Lifeline. So this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Again, the number is one 888 Three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Your host on this day before the election, November second, twenty twenty. It's Jesse Gistin. Glad to be with you. A pleasure to serve you, and uh, I will be right back. 
And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. The time is 520 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Let me see here. Let's go to line one. Sean in Redwood and Rutland. Sean, are you there? Hello, Sean in Rutland on line one. Are you there? We are working for some. I can't hear. I can't hear Sean. Hello. Hey, Sean. What's going on? Hey, Pastor Jesse. I'm good. How, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you today before good. the election? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Just got off work. Had a, kind of a challenging, busy day, but God has been good to me, so I'm not complaining. Amen. Amen. So, how are you feeling about tomorrow? How are you feeling about going forward? Um, a number of the questions I raised for our listeners. Um, uh, what lessons have you learned about our nation or yourself that you need to address? Should we uh, make it past this election process? And has the trial corrected your vision or are you still unclear as to what's going on in our world? Um, I would say for me, um, especially over the last year or so, like really since the whole COVID situation began, um, what's happened is that I, I, I've become a lot more informed as to how our government operates sure. um, as, as far as like just the basics of the branches of government, you know, the, the, the Supreme Court, the executive branch, the Senate, the House, understanding a lot better how they operate, seeing them in action, you know, and seeing their successes and seeing their failures and how it, how it is, how it's so consequential to all of us. You know, and and so I've become a lot more informed in that sense during the last six to nine months or so. So is it has it motivated you to be more inclined to, uh, if you will, cultivate a commitment to our Constitution, uh, our way of life, our freedoms, and therefore be ready to engage people about the relative importance of our nation uh, in conjunction with with the cause of the gospel. I know you're a believer in Christ. I know that well. Um, but do you see the benefit of being not only capable of sharing the gospel and witnessing to men, men and women about the supremacy of Christ and the gospel and the word of God, but how um, the privileges that this country affords us will actually aid and abet that to the degree that we can uh, be informed citizens? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's like that scripture where in First Timothy chapter 2 where uh, Apostle Paul says, pray for all men, and he's talking about kings and, and, and leaders in, in our society, you know, um, so that we may live peaceful lives, because it's in the midst of that peace that we can cultivate and share the gospel in a, in a, in a way of apart from persecution, you know, and um, because when those freedoms are stripped and taken away, then um, now you have imprisonment, you have bloodshed, you have all those, and if that's God's will, it's His will, but but understanding the nature of our leaders and praying for them in order to have that peace, I think is really important as far as uh, how we how we bring the gospel. 
I agree. I agree. I, I think that one of the things I've been teaching over the last seven or eight months, as you know, I'm in the book of the apocalypse, but we started with Daniel as a framework because you can't really you can't really know the book of the Revelation well unless you know Daniel's uh, uh, the premise for the book of Daniel, which is Babylonian captivity, which in a uh, metaphorical sense, that's where we are. And negotiating Babylonian captivity requires men of vision, men who are close to God, men who are committed to the spirit of God who maintain their identity in Christ and therefore can be used even to bless the nation in which they are in captivity. And Daniel was able to be that kind of um, promoter of Nebuchadnezzar, promoter of, uh, of, of Darius. Uh, he was able to operate in under three, uh, three administrations. And then, you know, he saw the decree and proclamation of his people returning back to, uh, to Jerusalem. He was able to negotiate that, him and his three friends. And they become models for us as to how we can be free, even in Babylonian captivity, where we pray for our leaders because the fruit of righteousness is much more productive in peace than it is in conflict and strife unless the Lord is pleased to utilize the bloodshedding of his elect for the advancement or at least pedestal of the preaching of the gospel. So what was your thoughts when you called, man, before I let you go? My thoughts were, um, uh, I've been listening to your, I listened to your Sunday message earlier today at work, and it was just a blessing. And I started listening to the Friday message well. I got a little bit into that one. Sure. Um, and and kind of what, you're, what you were preaching has kind of been uh, similar to what I've been studying through the Book of Revelation. I still mean not mean to send you what I've been writing on on uh, Genesis. Uh, I just haven't haven't finished it quite yet. But um, don't worry about it. I was look I was looking at uh, how you have the parable of the mustard seed, and that's kind of been correlated with the birds of the heavens flying across the sky sure. in day five of Genesis, and um, but in a very, very brief summary, like with the mustard seed, you got Christ, the mustard seed, the tree growing, the resurrection, and then the birds nesting in the branches. And I was looking at how that is that corresponds to baptism, how the Spirit of God ascended upon him like a dove, or descended upon him like a dove and rested upon him. And, and in the same way, God's people are given the spirit and and the spirit is like what you were teaching on Sunday the wings of the great eagle that flies us into the wilderness to be nourished while the serpent is chasing us you know and yeah. and during these times um if we're in Christ if we're branches in that tree and the spirit of God is resting upon us we're good. We're safe. We 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 can actually impact. And it's amazing because in, in Daniel, what you just mentioned, you have the cutting down of that great tree, Nebuchadnezzar, who sure. which is a great type of Christ as the great tree, you know. But he's a but 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 Nebuchadnezzar is a fallen man, and Christ is the Son of God, right. and, and 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 his tree can never fall, you know, and. And so you see the fall of Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel's cool, because Daniel's in the kingdom of God. Daniel's in Christ. And, Absolutely. And, and he, can, he can function the same way, regardless of which administration has risen up or taken down, according to God's will. 
and 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 it's the same for us Christians today. If, if we're in Christ, we're we're seated high. We're up yes, high sir. above the issues yes, down here on the earth. And I agree fully. I agree fully with that with that assessment. Uh, the beauty about Daniel was that he was even uh, capable of being so honest with Nebuchadnezzar to let him know you're going to be cut down, Neb. You're going to be cut down. Uh, uh, Medo Persia is going to be cut down. Uh, Greece is going to be cut down. And the Roman Empire is going to be cut down, too, because all of you guys are only faint shadows of the one yep. supreme king of kings and lord of lords. And really, that has to be the message that we, as the true church, preach, that God will bless kingdoms, but they come mm -hmm. to go. They don't come to stay. There's only one kingdom that comes to stay, and that kingdom is the one represented by the stone cut out without hands, and that stone is Christ, and the kingdom of God is, like you said, that, that, that rock that turns into a great mountain, and that's the confidence that true believers have who have that vision, who have that understanding that in the world, there are going to be changes, upheavals, conflicts, man, all kind of stuff. But if we will keep our ear to the voice of the Spirit, if we will keep our eyes on the Son of the living God, God will help us to see the rainbow in the cloud, and we don't have to be moved by um, the forces of evil and wickedness, no matter how severe they can be. And they are going to be fairly severe um, uh, in the years coming. It's just it's just imminent to me that um, over time we're going to be dealing with the relentlessness of the uh, Marxist socialist agenda, the diabolical nature of the demonic globalism. All of that is, is being put in place. I'm going to read an article after I clear the lines uh, by, again, uh, uh, Bishop uh, Vigano, and he, he stated it very well, these forces want to deny the one true God and destroy humanity. And when we think about the movement into uh, a, a one world global governance that's operating out of artificial intelligence with all of the mechanisms that are at, um, at the availability of those hostile elements, the only confidence that we can have, ladies and gentlemen, is confidence in the one true and living God in Jesus Christ, his son, whom he has sent, controlling the hearts of the kings, as the proverb says in Proverbs 21, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whithersoever he wills as the rivers of water. That is where our confidence lies. I've got to take a heartbreak. Amen. When I, when I come back, bless you. When I come back, we'll continue on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 536 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 is the number to reach us. one 367 if you want to join the conversation. Uh, and we've been talking about, you know, post-election um, and how we will respond if our life is going to change, if we have a, a clearer view, if we understand the the kind of harbinger in front of us and we are making adjustments or if we are unclear, I am going to make sure that I read the article that I shared, share with you, but I want to kind of clear the phone lines for that. So let me go to line number three and talk with Jermaine and Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Hey, how are you, man? Oh, I'm good. Good. I'm, uh, you know, just visiting another part of the country right now, but um, I'd like to talk, I like to talk to people and, kind of see where they are and this particular election cycle seems to have everyone kind of on edge 
Sure. Uh, for me, I'll kind of I'll be glad when it's all over. I um I don't think it's going to be full scale chaos, but I do think people will at least try because I don't think they'll be happy with the results no matter what side wins. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I've learned any lessons is that I absolutely have to be grounded in Christ, and I, I learned that prayer, reading my Bible, fellowshipping has has kept me in a place of just calm and peace. And I've even had people who said they were believers that that would look at me and say, "Hey, what's wrong with you? How come you're not upset?" So well, you know, I know who's in control, and right, this right. whole thing, watching it, it, it seems like the culmination of of a movie, and we're watching the final act tomorrow. Uh, and I hate to be one of those people, but it, there's a lot of this stuff looked like it was orchestrated from the media to to uh, the politicians. It it just seems like they were looking for a certain effect, and we'll find out tomorrow. But regardless of what happens, I'm I'm fine. I feel ground, grounded. I know who's who's in charge. Did you get a chance to listen to my Friday night Bible study? I know you're out on the road. You were letting us know that uh, you've been blessed with work, but that means that you have to fly here and there and be in different parts of the nation. But you didn't catch our Friday study, did you? Uh, unfortunately, no. I started with the uh, this past sermon that was preached, but I'll, I'll get on the, the Friday study probably in another 30 minutes or so. But uh, uh, no, I did not catch that. Well, the only reason I said that is I'm going to be reading an article that I read at the end of that study uh, here in a little bit, and it's going to actually affirm some of the things that you just stated in terms of a suspicion about uh, you know political choreography, um, strategies uh, by powers that have the ability to shape narratives, influence whole cultures, and create scenarios that set up uh, nations for um for for change and and your intuition is is not uh, in th- out of thin air. You obviously know that the Bible does talk about principalities and powers, and they are intelligent and they have a goal, and that is to overthrow the supremacy of the one true and living God and to actually bring humanity into captivity to a godless. Uh, society of bondage, slavery, and ultimately death. That's the nature of the wicked one. And I'm going to be talking about that. And then we're going to have to have a conversation uh, at length after the election about how substantial this bishop's assessment about the world powers are. So thanks for the call, man. I'll talk to you real soon. Let's go to line number two and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, are you there? Mark on line two in San Jose, are you there? We yeah, may I'm have here. also dropped Mark as well. That means all the lines are open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I've got five minutes, so what I'm going to do is actually start with the article. I know some of you are listening with bated breath as to what I said I would do, so I'll take five minutes to start with it. It's a little longer than that. Then we'll take a break and come back after uh, our break with this, and then I'm looking forward to our conversation uh, uh, on the top of the hour. This is Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, an open letter to the President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump. Now, you guys listen carefully to what this very controversial Archbishop has to say. Mr. President, allow me to address you at this hour in which the fate of the whole world is being threatened by a global conspiracy against God and humanity. 
I write to you as an archbishop, as a successor of the apostles, as the former apostolic nuncio to the United States of America. I am writing to you in the midst of the silence of both civil and religious authorities, in the midst of the silence of both civil and religious authorities. May you accept these words of mine as the voice of one crying out in the desert. As I said when I wrote my letter to you in June, apparently this is the second letter, this historical moment sees the forces of evil aligned in a battle without quarter against the forces of good. Forces of evil that appear powerful and organized as they oppose the children of light who are disoriented and disorganized, abandoned by their temporal and spiritual leaders. Daily we sense the attacks multiplying of those who want to destroy the very basics of our society, the natural family, respect for human life, love of country, freedom of education and business. We see heads of nations and religious leaders pandering to this suicide of Western culture and its Christian soul, while the fundamental rights of citizens and believers are denied in the name of health emergency that is revealing itself more and more fully as instrumental to the establishment of an inhuman, faceless tyranny. A global plan called the Great Reset is underway. I'm going to repeat that again. A global plan called the Great Reset is underway. Its architect is a global elite that wants to subdue all of humanity, imposing coercive measures with which to drastically limit individual freedoms and those of entire populations. In several nations, this plan has already been approved and financed. In others, it is still in early stages. Behind the world leaders who are the accomplices and executors of this infernal project, there are unscrupulous characters who finance the World Economic Forum Event 201 promoting their agenda, the World Economic Forum Event 201 promoting their agenda. The purpose of the Great Reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship aiming at the imposition of liberticidal, liberticidal measures hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and canceling individual debt. Let me repeat that. The purpose of a great reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship aiming at the imposition of liberticidal measures hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and canceling individual debt. Sounds like Marxism to me. The price of these concessions from the International Monetary Fund will be the renunciation of private property, Marxism, and adherence to a program of vaccination against COVID-19 and COVID-21 promoted by Bill Gates with the collaboration of the main pharmaceutical groups. Beyond the enormous economic interests that motivate the promoters of the Great Reset, the imposition of the vaccination will be accompanied by the requirement of health, passport, and digital ID. 
beyond the enormous economic interests that motivate the promoters of the Great Reset, the imposition of the vaccination will be accompanied by the requirement of a health passport and a digital ID with the consequent contact tracking of populations of the whole entire world. Those who do not accept these measures will be confined in detention camps or placed under house arrest at the and all their assets will be confiscated. I've got to take a break. I want to repeat that statement one more time. Listen carefully to it. Beyond the enormous economic interests that motivate the promoters of the Great Reset, the imposition of the vaccination will be accompanied by the requirement of a health passport and a digital ID with the consequent contact tracking or tracing of the population of the entire world. Those who do not accept these measures will be confined in detention camps or placed under house arrest and all their assets will be confiscated. Now, there's more to the letter that has to be read, and we're going to do that after we take a break. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistead. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back, and we'll continue with the letter, open letter by the Archbishop Vegano to the president. Again, I repeat, the purpose of the Great Reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship aiming at the imposition of liberticidal measures. I have to explain that at some point. Hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and canceling individual debt, the price of these concessions from the International Monetary Fund, Monetary Fund will be the renunciation of private property and adherence to a program of vaccination against COVID-19 and COVID-21 promoted by Bill Gates with a collaboration of the main pharmaceutical groups Groups. Now, we already know some of this with uh, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. arguing and debating this stuff for, for decades around the error and fallacy and and uh, and dangers of uh, the vaccines that have been, uh, as it were, spurred on by uh, many of our pharmaceutical agencies, as well as our government for decades. This is a big problem that we've got to work through. But the Monsignor goes on to say, beyond the enormous economic interests that motivate promoters of the Great Reset, the imposition of the vaccine will be accompanied by the requirement of a health passport and a digital ID with the consequent contract tracing of the population of the entire world. Those who do not accept these measures will be confined in detention camps or placed under house, under house arrest and all their assets will be confiscated. Mr. President, I imagine that you are already aware that in some countries, the Great Reset will be activated between the end of this year and the first trimester of 2021. For this purpose, further lockdowns are planned, which will be officially justified by a supposed second and third wave of the pandemic. You are well aware of the means that have been deployed to sow panic and legitimize draconian limitations on individual liberties, actually provoking a worldwide economic crisis. In the intentions of this architect, this crisis will serve to make the recourse of nations to the Great Reset irreversible, thereby giving the final blow to a world whose existence and very memory they want to completely cancel. 
But this world, Mr. President, includes people, affections, institutions, faith, culture, traditions, and ideas, people and values that do not act like automatons, who do not obey like machines because they are endowed with a soul and a heart because they are tied together by a spiritual bond that draws its strength from above, from that God that our adversary wants to challenge, just as Lucifer did at the beginning of time with his non-servium, that is, his rebellion against serving the true and the living God. Many people, as we all well know, are annoyed by this reference to the clash between good and evil and the use of apocalyptic overtones, which according to them exasperates spirits and sharpens divisions. It is not surprising that the enemy is angered at being discovered just when he believes that he has reached the citadel he seeks to conquer undisturbed. What is surprising, however, is that there is not one to sound the alarm the reaction of the deep state to those who denounce its plans is broken and incoherent, but understandable. Just when the complicity of the mainstream media had succeeded in making the transition to the new world order almost painless and unnoticed, all sorts of deception, scandal, and crimes are coming to light. Until a few months ago, it was easy to smear as conspiracy theorists those who denounced these terrible plans, which we now see being carried out down to the smallest detail. No one up until last February would have ever thought that in all of our cities, citizens would be arrested simply for wanting to walk down the street to breathe to want to keep their businesses open, to want to go to church on Sunday. Yet now it is happening all over the world. Even in picture postcard Italy, that many Americans consider to be a small enchanted country with its ancient monuments, its churches, its charming sites, its characteristic villages. And while the politicians are barricaded inside their palaces, promulgating decrees like Persian satraps. Businesses are failing, shops are closing, and people are prevented from living, traveling, working, and praying. The disastrous psychological consequences of this operation are already being seen, beginning with the suicide of desperate entrepreneurs and of our children, segregated from friends and classmates, told to follow their classes while sitting at home alone in front of a computer. He goes on to say, in sacred scripture, St. Paul speaks to us of the one who opposes the manifestation of the mystery of iniquity, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 and 7. In the religious sphere, the obstacles to evil is the church. And in particular, he, he calls it the papacy, but we would totally argue with that. He ought to know that by now. In political fear, spheres, it is those who impede the establishment of the new world order. So you guys ought to be clear on that. This archbishop recognizes that there's only two forces that can impede the present looming Marxist socialist agenda of the new world order. And that is the true church of the living God operating out of a priestly prophetic office and a legitimate government that recognizes a biblical worldview as the only safe and healthy way by which God will be honored and God will bless the people of the world. He goes on to say, as 
is now clear. The one who occupies the chair, a Peter, has betrayed his role from the very beginning in order to defend and promote the globalist ideology, supporting the agenda of the deep church who close uh, who closed him from its ranks, who chose him rather from its ranks. And obviously you see this bishop is going to war against Pope Francis. Mr. President, you have clearly stated that you want to defend the nation, one nation under God, fundamental liberties, and non-negotiable values that are denied and fought against today. It is you, dear president, who are the one who opposes the deep state the final assault of the children of darkness. For this reason, it is necessary that all people of goodwill be persuaded of the epical importance of the imminent election, not so much for the state of this or that political program, good word, but because of the general inspiration of your action that best embodies in this particular historical context, that world, our world, which they want to cancel by means of the lockdown. Your adversary is also our adversary. It is the enemy of the human race, he who is a murderer from the beginning. Around you are gathered with faith and courage those who consider you the final garrison against the world dictatorship. The alternative is to vote for a person who is manipulated by the deep state, gravely compromised by scandal and corruption, who will do to the, to the United States what Jorge Mario Bergoglio is doing to the church. Prime Minister Conte to Italy, President Macron to France, Prime Minister Sanchez to Spain, and so on. As you can see, this archbishop's view of who operates the seats plural, of the Antichrist system is clear. He says the blackmailable nature of Joe Biden, just like that of the prelates of the Vatican's magic circle, will expose him to be used unscrupulously, allowing illegitimate power to interfere in both domestic politics as well as international balances. It is obvious that those who manipulate him already have some someone worse than him ready with whom they will replace him as soon as the opportunity arises. And yet, in the midst of this bleak picture, this apparently unstoppable advance of the invisible enemy, an element of hope emerges. The adversary does not know how to love. It does not understand that it is not enough to assure or to ensure a universal income, or to cancel mortgages in order to subjugate the masses and convince them to be branded like cattle. You guys better listen to this. This people, which for long, for too long, has endured the abuses of a hateful and tyrannical power is rediscovering that it has a soul. It is understanding that it is not willing to exchange its freedom for the homogenization and cancellation of its identity. It is beginning to understand that the value of familial and social ties, of the bonds of faith and culture that unite honest people, this great reset is destined to fail because those who planned it do not understand that there are still people ready to take to the streets and defend their rights, protect their loved ones, give a future to their children and grandchildren. The leveling of 
inhumanity of the globalist project will shatter miserably in the face of the firm, courageous opposition of the children of light. The enemy has Satan on his side. He who only knows how to hate. But on our side, we have the Lord Almighty, the God of armies arrayed for battle and the most holy who will crush the head of the serpent. If God is for us, who can be against us? And he closes talking to the president this way. Mr. President, you are well aware that in the crucial hour or this crucial hour, the United States of America is considered the defending wall, which the war declared by the advocates of globalism has been unleashed. Place your trust in the Lord, Mr. President, strengthened by the words of the Apostle Paul. I can do all things in him, through him, by him who strengthens me. To be an instrument of divine providence is a great responsibility for which you will certainly receive all graces of state that you need since they are being fervently implored for you by many people who support you with their prayers. With this heavenly hope and the assurance of my prayers for you and for your collaborators with all my heart, I send you my blessings. So there you go. I'm going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we can talk about how a bishop who in his own right is, is conservative on many levels, quagmired by all kinds of political conflict in the Vatican, in the, uh, in the papal church, in the uh, Catholic church, but uh, is, is worthy of listening to. And you and I can learn some lessons uh, about what he has said and, uh, and be better prepared for tomorrow and next month and next year. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. If we have any lines open, you can call one 367 5329 We'll be right back. 